On this episode of Deep Dive, we are going to talk about the two phenomenal title reigns of jazz in 2002 and 2003. Uh, I can't say enough about her title reign, even though I do have many things that we'll discuss in this episode about why this was such an important uh, reign in WWE that helped tremendously with shifting how people thought about the women's division in WWE at this time. So I am excited to get into that. So let's just get right into it. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Women's Wrestling Talk the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. Welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive. I always get so excited to come back and talk about a new topic and to really dive deeper into the many things that I can discuss with women's wrestling. And this week is no different with my excitement because um, I really got a chance to just think about um, a time period that I just wanted to elaborate on some awesome moments that happened. And and um, I think recently when I've been seeing a lot of different podcasts and, and conversations surrounding wrestling, the ruthless aggression era keeps coming up, I'm seeing. So I wanted to kind of bring up something that I particularly loved about this time. And as we hear millennial wrestling fans talk about the state of wrestling, uh, the wrestling world in the 90s, is always filled with nostalgia. The memories of the unpredictable events in WWE, WCW, and ECW that had us on the edge of our seats. The amazing feuds that will live on forever. However, with the women that were trying to make a mark in the business at that time, they really had to fight to have meaningful storylines that didn't consist of them having stripped down to their undies. Now, let me just set the record straight. I am all here for a bit of sexuality from women when it naturally comes to them and that they exude that confidence in their beauty and carry it well if they wanted to bring that to the table themselves. But let's not forget that not all women are the same. You have women that were getting into the business at that time that wanted to be wrestlers, not divas, who busted their asses for years. So to come close to several, maybe possibly a decade or two to get into WWE, and then when they got there, they weren't able to be in that role that they had dreamed of. These women didn't see that changing anytime soon at that time. So they dealt with what they received um, as far as creative ideas. And they made those moments that they had work, despite a lot of crap that they had to go through to get those moments. So with the reestablishment of the WWE Women's title in 1998, there were many moments where you could see the great potential of a solid women's division. I mean, during the Attitude Era, you had women like Ivory, Jacqueline, Luna, Lita, and Tori. And as we got into that late 2001 year, that came around, you started to see the formation of a solid, steady women's division. 
Women like Leah, Molly Holly, Jacqueline, Ivy, and Trish wish to prove that they could all be uh, strong women's champions at that time. And you saw that hunger starting to build up to really create that atmosphere. And during a very important match in the formation of the golden era that we know and love to, to discuss as fans, we see a debut of someone that has been, in my opinion, deliberately left out of the conversation of MVP players in the conversation of the ruthless aggression era. And that person, in my opinion, happens to be Jazz. Jazz is definitely someone that I feel does not get on WWE TV the respect that she deserves for really helping to showcase along with the other very talented women on the roster at that time of what the women could do and what they had been prepared to do uh, to have a solid uh, women's division. And I think that um, it's about time we really discussed that time period in which Daz was in WWE and how she held the women's title well. So we start off with this um, time with Jazz being in WWE in such an important time uh, when they were really trying to, you know, on the surface, seemed like they were trying to build up a solid women's division. And this kind of started at Survivor Series 2001 when we had the six pack women's challenge. Um, and we see that there is, as you can even see on uh, this, uh, this promo photo, we have five women announced, but there is one woman that is a, a secret entrant or mystery entrant. And we find out that this woman will be Jazz. And Jazz debuts in a six pack match to determine who will hold the women's title after it was vacated when China was released from WWE. So you see that already with the women that were in the company in the late 90s having this desire to really build up the women's division and that they doing a good job of what they what they receive. But now you have this opening with China not having the title anymore. And honestly, even China mentioned it many times that having the women's title was not really something that she really wanted to do. So now having this open challenge so that someone can actually win that vacant women's title, you can see the desire from each woman to really uh, to want to hold that title and do something with it. So you have Jazz debut in the six-pack match. And you can feel in the air that whoever won this match will really solidify a new chapter for the women in the company. All around WWE in 2000, at the end of 2001, you really started to see a shift uh, with a different direction. There was a bit of mystery on where WWE was going to go, probably in the back, a lot of confusion as to where the state of wrestling was. But you started to see, um, even though there was still a lot of work that had to be done, with uh, WWE trying to leave that shock factor that was prevalent during the Attitude Era and really start to move into having some really solid uh, technical matches and stronger storylines to capture the crowd. So it was nice to see that the women were starting to be included in wanting to have that shift. And I will never forget the excitement that my older brother had when Jazz came into this match. 
he was a huge ECW fan and he couldn't believe that one of his favorites was actually on a WWE show. Um, now for me at that time, I was absolutely terrified to watch ECW. So this was actually the first time that I was able to see Jazz on a TV screen. And I just vividly remember Jazz coming through those ropes and striking Lita, who was one of my favorites, but I was actually excited to see um, that type of aggression that Jazz had and just that ruthlessness that she had on display. And I instantly pinned her as one of my favorites. And I really wanted her to win this match. And I think at the time I was 11. And that was just still to this day, such a, a memorable moment of seeing Jazz come into this match extremely confident and really ready to take on these other five women. And I think you know, I think this was one of the strongest debuts that you had for a woman at that time in the company, and it still leaves a lasting effect. Um, I don't think, I think possibly one of the strongest debuts that we have seen in WWE, especially as it surrounds the women. Um, now, she had a strong uh, debut, but she did not win the women's title in this match. And I like how they made sure that that defeat in this match stayed with Jazz. And you see in her character from then on this mission to take out Trish specifically because she holds that title. And at the start of 2002, you see Jazz really begin this epic feud with Trish. I mean, she just did not relent on making sure that she took it to Trish. At any moment, she would attack her, and Trish really had to be on her A-game to make sure that uh, Jazz was not uh, going to literally maul her the moment that she stepped into an arena. And I love that. I love that they started out this title, this title reign for Trish with her already having a target on her back and staying consistent with uh, showing that there is someone that is constantly going to try to take that title away from Trish, but not only take the title, really get into her head and make her feel that uh, she's always going to have to watch her back. And on uh, a episode of Raw, on January 14th, 2002, Jazz defeats Jacqueline to become the number one contender for the women's title. And this was a really great match between Jazz and Jacqueline. And it just always seemed like, uh, specifically with Jazz and Jacqueline, that they were always gonna tease that they could have a really good match together, but it was always pulled away and you kind of got slithers of what could happen um, in a feud with them, but they never really fully committed to it in WWE as Trish was usually the one that uh, they were going to uh, have Jazz really work with and construct a storyline with, which I don't think anyone's complaining about it because Jazz and Trish's uh, feud is just so epic, but it still would have been cool to see Jacqueline and Jazz really have some time to start a feud at some point in Jazz's uh, run in WWE. But we have this number one contenders uh, match between Jazz and Jacqueline. Jazz advances, and I am sure that she was just chomping at the bit to get that opportunity at Royal Rumble to finally have a championship match with Jazz. So we get into this Royal Rumble match in uh, 2002 with Jazz 
and Trish. And I I absolutely love that. At one of my favorite Royal Rumbles, which in my opinion, the 2002 Royal Rumble still really holds up in general with all of the matches and the crowd was just really good. This was a solid uh, pay-per-view. And I think that this was a really good match for the women to be on such a strong uh, pay-per-view. So we see that uh, this feud with both women has already started. It's at a very uh, high level now. The temperature has been raised with Jazz's attacks to Trish. So Jacqueline comes into this match, even though she did not win, she still comes into this match as a referee by the orders of acting GM Ric Flair at the time. And Trish comes into this match with a wrapped up left hand after Jazz smashed her hand into one of the equipment bins backstage a week prior. So we already have Jazz really solidifying how she would literally just destroy and pick apart Trish before they even get into this match. So Trish knows who she's dealing with coming into this. And do you think that Jazz would have any regrets about, you know, taking this uh, few too far? No, Jazz immediately goes into this match on the attack. She doesn't even let Trish take her jacket off before she just goes for her. And Jacqueline is really, I really commend Jacqueline. She was on it with making sure that even though she was going to let it be a fair fight, let it be a slugfest, that it was still going to be a fair fight. And she was not going to let Jazz intimidate her at all in this. And you can see the frustration on Jazz, Jazz's face as she knows that she can't really push Jacqueline around. But she still decides to shove Jacqueline when she is trying to make sure that she's giving a fair count and keeping Jazz off of, uh, off of Trish at certain times and letting her get a breather. That's when Jazz decides that she wants to push Jacqueline, of all people, and Jacqueline pays that with the receipt by pushing uh, Jazz back. And you see that for a second, something could have gotten started between these two. But Jacqueline still remains professional, but she's just letting ja uh, Jazz know, back off and keep it with you and Trish in the match and be fair with this fight. So I love that they brought Jacqueline into this mix and I love how she was just a straight up and down ref where she was fair on both sides. Even when she felt tempted to possibly not count out, uh, not to count uh, Jazz when she had the pin, she still remained fair and she still did the count. But even with all of the tactics of Jazz, Trish was still able to get a satisfaction and to retain her title and to prove that even with an injured hand, she could still defeat Jazz. And um, I loved this match because it allowed for the women to have a storyline going into it. And as we know at that time, that was not always the case. So to already have this kind of be like a grudge match because of all the things, all the tactics, all of the attacks that Jazz had already put on Trish going into this really made you want to see this match as a fan. Uh, I really loved that uh, we had Jacqueline in there to kind of show the other women that would not have a problem facing, facing Jazz after this and that there was the potential for these other matches that can ensue with Jazz um, pretty much just making it clear that she could take out any uh, 
any diva at the time, but still having pushback for someone who is equally as strong as Jacqueline. So I love that interaction in the match. Uh, Jazz was unsuccessful in this match, but she did get another opportunity rather quickly after this Royal Rumble match. She was able to face off with Trish again, uh, and this was on an episode of Raw. It was February 4th to be exact, and Jazz comes into this match ready to capture that title and immediately goes into uh, taking an offense in this match really never letting Trish and any of their encounters actually get wiggle room to get comfortable in the match. Trish tries to do a drop kick off the top rope, but it doesn't end so well. You have leg drops, stiff punches to the face, back belly drops, and that famous crab leg turned into a cross face that Jazz would do that really broke down Trish in this match. And then she gets that chicken wing in that Jazz became known for. And that move, because it was like one of the first times that she did it, it really stunned the crowd. You can hear them in this match. So I thought that was a really cool moment. And Trish tries to get the satisfaction in, but she is stopped in midair while Jazz gets a suplex in, then a fisherman suplex to get the win. And she takes that title and this is the start of her first reign as champion and though i enjoyed the match at the royal rumble because i did i thought it was a pretty solid match and at the time yes you weren't going to get these long matches from the women just because of the nature of the business at that time but i still thought it was a solid match that fit in with the royal rumble um i feel that if they were going to have Jazz win that close to the Royal Rumble, they probably should have just let her win at the Royal Rumble, especially because of how they were already building up the feud between Jazz um, between Jazz and Trish at the time. Just let her win at the Royal Rumble. I didn't get literally waiting. I think it was like two weeks after the Royal Rumble. Just, just let her win then. But uh, even then, this was, in my opinion, one of the strongest matches that they had. Um, I'll just say an entire feud, the entire time that Jazz and Trish feuded, this was actually one of the strongest matches. And that's why it was cool to see that Jazz actually won with this caliber type of match. It just made Jazz look like a hundred, a million bucks in this match. She really made Trish look good too. Um with her times where she's trying to pull through as a baby face does, really gaining the sympathy of the crowd, but really showing that she was trying to hang in this match with Jazz. So I thought it was a solid showing for both women, but I was excited as a fan at the time to see Jazz start off a title reign. And that kind of takes us into one of the bigger matches that Jazz had in her title reign, which was at WrestleMania 18, where she came into this match as, as champ. Um, and we see with this particular match, that it is a triple threat match between Lita, Jazz, and Trish. And I have to start off with the commentary on this match by saying that the positioning of it was completely off. Um, because on, on, both, on, on one end, 
it's really awesome that they wanted to respect the rules that usually apply to um, a heavyweight title match, which is that it's usually going to close the night. So usually the, the women's heavyweight title will go before the men's heavyweight title. So that was awesome that the women were getting that respect. But however, when you have a once in a lifetime match like The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, I don't really think that anything can come after that on the card because the fans are going to be pretty much drained after seeing such an emotionally driven match that is kind of hard to really top that no matter how great your match is. You're coming to a crowd that has really been drained of all the emotion and excitement because of such a a once in a lifetime match like that. So even with that, I thought, that with that type of pressure, I am sure these women must have had, knowing their placing on the card, they did a phenomenal job with what they had to uh, go against. And Jazz comes into this match as a very confident champion. She comes in as a confident champion, but she knows that she has to immediately go for the attack, especially because she doesn't have to just prepare for one opponent. She has to prepare for two and also for the possibility that one opponent of hers can pin the other to win the title. So she has to be on it. And she immediately does that when she attacks Lita as soon as Lita comes into the ring and not even giving uh, Trisha a chance to come in before she already starts the match. And Lita and Jazz work together to um, try to, I'm sorry, Lita and Trish work together to try to weaken Jazz, but it just doesn't work. And we have Jerry Lawler really try to make this match sexual the whole time, even though it's like a really competitive match and they are going at it in this match in such a hard-nosed competitive way that it was just absolutely hilarious to me when Jerry was just trying to find a way to make it into a match that it wasn't. So I literally had to point that out because I just thought that was hilarious. And we have Trish. She is kicked out of the ring. It gives Lita and Jazz time to compete, which I thought was cool because we didn't see up until this point that much interaction between Lita and Jazz. They have a, a tiny bit of history uh, facing off against each other in ECW when Lita was Miss Congeniality. So it was kind of cool uh, to see these two come together. I will say, even when I was looking back um, at certain matches that happened throughout Jazz's tenure in WWE at this time, I'm not going to lie, I prefer the interactions in the ring that Jazz would have with Trish versus Lita. Um, Both women obviously are extremely talented, but for some reason, I feel like the chemistry was a bit better with uh, Trish and Jazz um, than what I would see sometimes when when Lita and Jazz would get into it. Uh, So after we have this, this blending of Lita and Jazz competing, Trish finally gets the chance to come back into the ring toward the middle of the match. And she successfully makes herself a major player in this bout. And the alliance between Trish and Lita is pretty much done after they both see a chance to get a pen and they are only looking out for themselves at that point, which makes sense. And I love the spot where Trish consecutively chops Lita and gets the 
whoo chant from the crowd because it really showed that even though they were probably drained from the matches prior and then the Rock and Hogan fight, they were still really um, into this match uh, that the women were having. So I thought that was like a cool indication with the Wu chant that they really uh, were here for this match. So it was really uh, cool to see. And the acoustics were awesome when they were chanting. Uh, Jazz gets her bearings back and throws Trish out of the ring, which makes a huge thud and climbs to the top rope with leader Lita and gives her a fisherman suplex to retain the title. Um, I was so happy because I didn't know how this was going to go if they were going to let Jazz keep that title uh, leaving WrestleMania 18, but they let her keep it and she had such a great match uh, with these women. I was so excited to see this. Jazz actually keeping this title after WrestleMania because as a, as a fan at that time, I was convinced that they were going to let Trish take that title at WrestleMania. And I really wanted to continue to see Jazz's title reign. So this made me absolutely happy. I was over the moon to see that Jazz retained that title on one of the biggest stages of them all in wrestling. And just like I said, for these women to be on the card for that match, uh, at that time on the card, excuse me, I I absolutely applaud them for not letting that be a thing that made them feel like they still couldn't have a solid match because they did. It was absolutely amazing. And I recommend if you haven't seen it yet or it's been a bit of time, because it was for me, since I actually sat down and watched it, to really do that because every time I go back to this era and I see matches for the women, it absolutely astounds me how they were able to have such short periods of time to have the match. Because when you actually look at the time, um, when you're about to start the, the video, and then you start thinking, okay, how are they going to be able to do certain things? And you see how they fit in so much in so little time. They really need to be applauded for that because it is amazing. So we see Jazz have such a great um, title defense. And that brings us into Trish and Jazz facing off again at Backlash 2002. And um, I love how this match completely just immediately goes on with Molly Holly coming out and confronting Trish and making it clear that the fans deserve and want a wholesome champ. And Trish does not know how to be that. So she's going to take it upon herself to, to be that, even though Trish is not even the one that holds the title and Molly Holly was obviously not scheduled to fight Jazz. So she just decides, I'll, I'll beat up Trish instead and, and wear her out before Jazz actually comes out. And you just see this brutal attack where Trish is actually thrown into the stairs um, um, nearby the ring. And right when that happens, that's when you have Jazz come out as if Trish wasn't just attacked. And the match still goes on. Uh, I think the ref checked on her, but we're still gonna make Trish fight even though she just had to endure that attack. And I will give it to Trish and I love how um, with each storyline, whether it was backstage altercations or things that happened in the ring, WWE was making sure that they were really 
honing in on adding all these things that really made Trish look like a solid baby face that was that had a target on her back from anyone in the division and how that played into her constantly trying to to uh to face off those advances from everyone in the roster that you literally want to destroy her and she would always make a comeback and i love how they were really working on that in this feud uh, but specifically in this match is just hilarious to me how jazz was just able to come in and just pick up the scraps of what uh of what molly holly did when she attacked her and even though trish really tried her best to put up a good fight and she really did it was just too much for Trish to try to get back her bearings after being attacked. And Jazz was able to win this match and retain her title. So just another great thing to add to and another layer specifically to add to this feud with Jazz and Trish where Trish constantly has to meet an obstacle and get over that to already fight someone that alone without all of the attacks is already a mountain to climb when it comes to facing against someone like Jazz. And it really just helped to put over Trish every time she would lose and she would just feel defeated, but still wanted to come back and, uh, and meet off with Jazz. So I just thought that was good that they would constantly play on the fact and make it realistic that Trish was not going to just easily uh, get over having to face off against someone like Jazz and really letting Jazz have time to really show and put it into the psyche of the fans that she was the champ. Because I think that if they would have, just like I said, in that WrestleMania 18 match, if they would have let Trish get the title back that quickly, it really would have watered down this feud, in my opinion. You needed to feel that Jazz was a real obstacle to Trish. Um, being the head of, of the division. And they certainly did that. They let this uh, play organically over a few months. And I really like that. So we see Jazz feeling confident going into these matches where she's coming out victorious against Trish. So I guess WWE decided that maybe Jazz should have another goal and try to take a stab at some um, intergender fighting. And she did that when she decided to challenge Bubba Ray Dudley on an episode of Raw. And it's very interesting that they played on uh, her trying to get the hardcore, hardcore title, uh, which was held by the one man that was known for putting women through tables, Bubba Ray Dudley. And Jazz had a history of challenging men as she had an ECW against men like Jason Sensation and Simon Diamond. So for people that were fans of Jazz or ECW, they know that this is not the first um, round of, of, uh, of Jazz taking on competition that happens to be from the men's division. But if you were just strictly WWE fans, they wouldn't have seen that weird for Jazz to want to take on the guys considering how talented she was at having a hard-nosed uh, brawler type of style. So I don't know. I'm just guessing, especially with seeing like uh, the pre-match interview that Bubba Ray Dudley gave 
and then seeing how the match went, which I will discuss, but it seemed like maybe for a split second, they actually wanted to showcase Jazz as a baby face. I'm not really sure, but even the way that they were positioning, it was almost like they wanted the fans to be on the side of Jazz, but let me just go through the match. So we have Bob Ray Dudley um, having an interview before and making it very clear he's not really taking it seriously, but if Jazz wants to fight, he'll give her a fight, even making like the jokes that they would have at the time about him giving her wood because he was known to put women through tables and saying that more than once so clearly just wanting to have the sexual innuendo there and just making it sound like creepy and having it come off like that. And Jazz is in the ring first as Bubba comes out. And this is the April 29th episode of Raw, to be specific. And uh, Jazz takes the challenge to Bubba first. She's in the, the ring first, so she decides that she's going to immediately punch him to just try to get some type of offense and some level of control in the match. But obviously, this is not Trish Stratus. This is not Jacqueline. This is Bubba Ray Dudley. So that punch does not affect him as much as Jazz would have thought. Bubba grabs her and sits her on the top rope, almost like making it clear that like he really doesn't have the desire to go on with this match. But Jazz obviously does not care. She tries to attack him as he turns around, but he just gives her a hard slam to the ground, uh, to, to the mat. And this match is clearly a joke to him as he pretends to dance with her in the ring and just not taking it seriously. So this leads to Jazz low blowing him and bringing weapons into the ring, hitting him with the trash can lid directly in the face that kind of seems like it takes Bubba out, but he recovers and decides to bite her in the butt to regain control. Yeah. That, you know, this is 2002 for you. And uh, then he proceeds to put the trash bin over Jazz's head for a series of punches. I think this is like probably really the only time in the match where you see like some real offense from Bubba Ray. And Bubba gets the table. And obviously the fans were uh, very excited about that because that's what they knew Bubba for at this time to trademark. But Stevie Richards comes out, attacks Bubba to get the win for the hardcore title, and it just immediately takes the attention off of Jazz possibly really being serious about wanting the hardcore title when Stevie just quickly takes the title. And it just seems like a really great match to have if you were just going to have Stevie Richards come out and take the title. Um, I really don't know the intentions of having this swerve from Jazz where she's obviously having a successful women's title reign, but then they have her try to go for the hardcore title, but then it's not a serious match and it's just meant for laughs. I I didn't really get why they did it, but I think it was still awesome to mention that Jazz probably had her sights on being a double champ at the time, which I think is admirable. But the execution of however creative was trying to do it, if this was supposed to be a one-off or something that Jazz and Bubba could have continued on with, possibly having like a side feud, I don't know. But this was something that was attempted maybe to kind of give like a few weeks breathing time before uh, Jazz got back into a solid feud with the women. 
so we see also on May 6th episode of Raw that Jazz retains her title and she has an assist from Stevie Richards. Um, so uh, at that time, too, so you know, like I guess they were trying out, especially at that time, Stevie Richards was doing a lot of things with the, the women at this time. So I guess it was just like another attempt to kind of have Stevie interact um, with the women's division. Uh, so we have Jazz having this really great title reign. But on the May 13th episode of Raw, Jazz has to relinquish her title to Trish Stratus in a hardcore rules match after she was told prior to that that she had a torn ACL. And this was a bit of a weird match because it was a mixed tag match um, that would either see Stevie Richards possibly win the title from Bubba Ray Dully if he pinned him or Trish win the title if she pinned Jazz. So uh, yeah, it was just, I, I feel like they found out about Jazz having the torn ACL and they just put this match together, um, I guess as a way to, um, and, and when you see the match, you can see that Jazz having a torn ACL limited, extremely limited what she could do in the ring in this match. So I think in the best way possible, they were still trying to make sure that Jazz looked good without having to show that she couldn't really bump. So this match starts out in a very hot, high octane fashion with Bubba Ray throwing Trish out of the ring to land on Stevie and Jazz as they were trying to enter. There are a few funny moments with Jazz that involve her being squashed uh, in the, the corner of the ring with Stevie Richards in front of her. And they're just really doing a good job of protecting Jazz as she is clearly hurt. And <laughs> poor Stevie Richards really had to take the brunt of the attacks from Bubba and Trish's team. Uh, and she really just seen that. And, and sadly, Stevie Richards was usually used as this during this time in his matches. So it really wasn't a much of a difference for him to be used in this fashion to pretty much just be a rag doll. Um, and after several interruptions in the match that we had from uh, uh, Justin Credible and others, then it just became Trish and Jazz in the ring. And I'm surprised that Jazz was able to pull off a double arm chicken wing to put on Trish that looked really good. She really got that in. But Trish was able to hit the satisfaction and she got the pin to become the world's champion again. So even though it was a bit sad and probably quite abrupt to have uh, Jazz has to lose the title because I really don't think it was anything planned. I think it was just a matter of creative having to deal with um, a real injury that Jazz had and just trying to make it work and have a match that did not hurt Jazz when she was already injured. So that was really good that they had uh, Tr uh, Trish get the title. And obviously we knew that with this feud, it was going to lead to Trish becoming champion, but it may have happened a bit quicker than WWE was going to do. But kudos to everyone in that match for making sure that uh, that uh, Jazz was still safe uh, in that match and didn't uh, prolong her injury with getting hurt again. So after Jazz loses this uh, the the women's championship and has to take a break, we see 
Victoria and Trish really get a chance to create this epic feud and everyone, including myself, is quite invested in this. But then we have Jazz make a comeback and she returned in January 2003, you know, to make sure that everyone remember her going into that new year. And I must say this return is one of my favorite returns in the history of WWE. Anytime I think of returns, I always think about when Jazz came back in 2003 and returned in, in the best way that she could. I just, I can't get enough of it. With Jazz standing over Trish after uh, Trish finished her match, which was not an easy match, by the way. She had a Chicago street fight with Victoria. And as Victoria and Stevie Richards are leaving, you see Jazz come, um, come from the entrance. She completely ignores and actually shoves Victoria and Stevie Richards out of the way. Like they didn't mean anything. And slides into the ring and looks down at a disheveled Trish. It was just amazing. And I absolutely love this look right here that Trish gives as if like she has seen the Reaper return. And she is absolutely stunned that Jazz is back in a ring to obviously beat the crap out of her. Like she knows what's gonna come. That, that look on Trish's face will always live rent-free in my head. She just absolutely looked terrified to see Jazz return. And Jazz wastes no time whatsoever just whooping the crap out of Trish. She immediately kicks her in the face, DDTs her, puts her in a double chicken wing, followed by the STP while still showing off the guns that got even more shredded as she recovered from injury. And I love how much the ref is involved in just screaming at Jazz to let go of um, the crossface, but she won't. And Trish is literally just wasting away during this attack. Ah, oh, it's just perfection. Like, I just, I, just good stuff. Trish just looks just like, how can I not get a break? I just fought Victoria. Now you guys are just going to let Tr uh, Jazz come into the ring and completely destroy me. I mean, she didn't have any offense whatsoever. And Jazz was just having the time of her life just taking her apart. Uh, and I love how she and Jazz are just, look at the guns, okay? Jazz just came looking like she just hawked out as she is ripping for the life of her, holding on to Trisha's neck as she is making it clear that she is back. This huh, this was just professional. I think people need to take lessons on how to come back because she certainly did come back in a big way. And I even love the, the detail, um, not that this was done on purpose, but you can see as they have the close-up of Jazz just pretty much sucking the life out of Trish with this hold. How Trish's makeup is smeared, how her eyelashes are coming off. This is how much she has gone through with having this Chicago street fight with Victoria and then getting ambushed by Jazz. It's just good stuff, like when you go back. And I love the the hypocrisy almost or of of jazz coming out just looking like a shit of Amazon while wearing a cutoff shirt that had the words diva on it. It just really 
embodied how how uh, juxtaposition Jazz was on this roster, where in no way you would think of Jazz's presence on the women's division as her being a diva, but she's wearing this shirt. It's just, it was just amazing. And um, I think, you know, in my opinion, one of the highlights of uh, Jazz's time in WWE was this amazing comeback. Uh, we have on February 10th episode of Raw 2003 that Jazz was able to defeat Molly Holly. Um, that was um, as these sporadic matches that Jazz had with Molly Holly throughout her three years of being WWE, I always enjoyed the work that Molly Holly and Jazz had together. I thought they had really great chemistry. But honestly, I don't think that Molly Holly could have a bad match with anyone, honestly. So it was good to see that you had the variety of levels that a lot of the women were on. And Molly Holly was definitely one that could hang with anyone. So that was really cool to see. And I like how uh, Jazz's return pretty much plugged her into, uh, in a way, between the feud of Trish and Victoria as that feud evolved. And she just naturally fit in there with times where she was just antagonizing and kind of making Victoria feel like she had someone that also hated Trish just as much as she did. So I thought that was pretty cool that they um, that they let that happen. And I completely agree, Trish, uh, Jazz is great. And just like I said, I think if there's any highlight on just how great Jazz is, what was that return? It just really showed how brutal she is. So we go from Jazz's return, Jazz kind of getting her reps up with having some matches against women like Molly Holly, her being embedded into the feud with Trish and Victoria. And then that leads us into another great showing at WrestleMania in this triple threat match. Once again, another triple threat match at WrestleMania 19. Now, this time, I feel like the placing that the women were on for their match was absolutely wonderful. We have Trish Stratus, Victoria, who is the champ coming into this match, and Jazz. Um, let me say, like, over this, like, year and a half that you see with the, the women's division on Raw is just really building, I think that it was brilliantly done why the women had the title at whatever time that they had, whether it was Trish's run, Victoria's run, or Jazz's run, the time when Molly Holly had the title, it all just fit in whatever month or angle or feud that was going on at that time. So kudos to WWE for that. Um, because I feel like going into this WrestleMania, it was quite fitting that Victoria was the champion. And I'm not going to lie, going into this WrestleMania, I was kind of rooting for both Victoria and Jazz because I just loved them both so much. I loved Victoria's character and the work that she was putting in into this feud with uh, with Trish. I just thought she was phenomenal. So I wasn't really rooting for Victoria to lose the title, but I was really happy to see Jazz return. So it was a mixed bag. Uh, so just like I stated, Victoria comes into the match as champ, and she's trying to pose with Stevie Richards. This is her first WrestleMania. She's trying to have her moment, and Jazz does not give a damn. She just attacks Victoria because she is all business coming into this match. Trish and Jazz start off the match, but the champ refuses to be left out. So she finds her way in there, and Trish 
coming into this match really has a target on her back as both women can't stand her and they literally want to destroy her. They have their own reasons for it, but they both agree that they can't stand her. So Victoria and Jazz butt heads as they're trying to beat the brakes off of Trish, which was absolutely hilarious. And that alliance that they made that only lasts for about two minutes dissolves and Jazz turns on Victoria almost immediately. Um, I love the crowd reaction to this match in live time. They, uh, these women really had an awesome year of wrestling. And you can see from WrestleMania 18 leading into uh, 19, this overall change, even in many ways with the commentary over these matches, it was just awesome to see um, that we really had the crowd really rooting for this woman and they were at the edge of their seat. Every little move that you saw in this match really had the crowd going. And I must say that half Boston crab that Jazz puts on Trish always looks amazing. But in this match and that type of arena that they have for WrestleMania, it just looks phenomenal to this day. It's just a really great spot. And Stevie Richards was really on it, being entertaining as he was interfering. When it looks like Jazz might not win in particular, he interferes. Uh, and he had to make sure that he was protecting his girl, Victoria. But I don't know if every interference actually worked out the way that he wanted to. And the chicken wing applied by Jazz to Trish literally caused the fans to gasp. If you go back, you can hear a united gasp as Jazz just lifted her up. And I, it was just the way that the size of Jazz picking up Trish looked, the placing in the ring that they were in, it just looked phenomenal. So every woman in this match knew how to put certain holds on and the position in the ring that they had to really make it stand out. And everyone seemed like they were very gracious in the match to make sure that everyone got their spots and everyone got their finishers and to really show what they could do. So with something as tricky as a triple threat match, I think that these women really pulled it off. But with all the great moves that you saw and Jazz really being like a threat to all the women in the match, it ultimately still had the result where Trish was able to pin Victoria to regain the title. And this was one of, in my opinion, one of the best matches from this golden era uh, during the Ruthless Aggression uh, era that, that we see. And um, I really implore you, if you have not seen this in a while, go back, go back and you enjoy yourself. And once again, with utilizing the small amount of time that these women usually had in these matches, this match had every spot that you would want in, every bit of storyline that they're kind of putting into this. The entrances were amazing and it didn't feel like they were skimping out on it. So kudos to these women that were able to fit in so many things in such a short period of time during these matches. So we see Trish get that title back. And, um, and I really liked, once again, where they make you feel that there's a reason why Trish would be regaining it and really going through feuds that took her through it before she was able to, as a baby face, to get those titles. So we see this phenomenal match and we go into a few weeks after. 
a match. Oh, yeah, I have to show this. Like, come on. This is one of the best uh, moments in this match. It's just the aesthetic of, of this move that obviously we all love from Jazz, but definitely one of the highlights uh, in this feud. So we go, I think it was about a few weeks after this phenomenal WrestleMania match. We have Trish and Jazz meeting up once again to continue on their feud at Backlash. But we have a new addition to uh, Jazz's corner, which is the presence of Teddy Long as her manager. Um, and we will get into that. Let's get to this Backlash match. Uh, well, this match helps to continue on the feud between Trish and Jazz. And uh, Jazz really comes into this match you see, like a, just like with her return, a bit more confident. And then having the mouthpiece of someone like Teddy Long, I really think it just helped at this time to make her even stronger character. As um, in her words, as she came into this match, she started using the moniker that she was the baddest bitch in wrestling. And you really felt that type of confidence from Jazz. And uh, I just love the flavor and attitude that Teddy Long um, brought to this match with him really feeling confident in his new acquisition with Jazz. And it just really brought a comedic uh, a point of view to this very intense feud that Trish and Jazz have had up until this point. And Trish comes into this match with an injured back. Again, after being attacked um, by Bubba Ray Dudley and Jazz. So, and I think um, her ribs also were bothering her. So Trish, once again, just coming into a match with Jazz, just being all tore up. You know, like she, every time she has to fight Jazz, they always make sure that she is a wreck physically before she comes in and she just has to pull through, you know? So we have an injured Trish. And what did Jazz do? Cause she knows that she injured Trish, she goes right for the ribs and Trish attempts to take Jazz down, but that only makes Jazz see red as she picks apart Trish. And the women in this match, I think got a good amount of time. Uh, and Trish really shows a great amount of improvement at this point in the ring with Jazz because we know that we definitely saw that with Trish having her feud with Victoria. But I think she really picked it up with that chemistry with uh, Jazz once they started to get into their feud again or revisit their feud again in 2003. And you can definitely see that in this match. Uh, Teddy interfering with the shoe was absolutely hilarious, but it actually effectively helped Jazz to win the title back in this match. And I had not seen this match in so long. So as I'm watching the ending and I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's a solid match. I absolutely almost lost my shit laughing where you hear Teddy Long walking with a jazz to the entrance ramp and saying, yeah, we got that white girl because he was just like unapologetically saying things that obviously we would not hear in WWE now, but it just reminded me of like the things that you can get away with was saying 
point WWE at this time that I don't even know could obviously be replicated, but some things might have to be taken out now. Um, but yes, Teddy Long was that guy at that time making certain comments. And this was uh, a really strong showing for uh, both Jazz and Trish. And we're able to effectively see Jazz move into a second run for, uh, with the women's title in her career. And I think this was a very strong run that Jazz had again. And uh, another backlash, consecutive backlash pay-per-view that Trish and Jazz were able to compete in. So that was really cool too. And just like I said, we have to kind of give a moment to spotlight this pairing with Jazz and Theodore Long at the time, but obviously we lovingly call, call him Teddy Long now. And I don't know who came up with this or like, who thought that this would be a great idea to put these two together, but they were absolutely right. It really added um, an element of comedy. It really allowed you sometimes to kind of like chill during Jazz's match because she's so intense. It brought um, a sense of or like normalcy or eliminated the intimidation factor for some people to actually get behind Jazz as she had uh, such a comedic mouthpiece as Teddy Long to be her manager. And I absolutely love how Teddy was trying to create at this time a staple of Black athletes like Mark Henry, Jazz, and Rodney Mack. And I personally think that this staple should have continued and they should have probably had like a few years together. But at this time, Teddy was completely in this hotep phase uh, where he's sitting there calling the GMs crackers and saying that the white man's foot is on his neck. I mean, he even had a white boy challenge. I mean, I'm telling you, you can't not, you can't make this up. And then at one, one time they had like a double white boy challenge where you just had these brave souls, these two white guys in the ring facing off against a very angry Rodney Mack. I mean, you can't make these storylines up. Like this actually happened. And I know it's wrong, but I cackled throughout all these clips that I went back to for research sake, you know, to, to look through. But I thought that Teddy Long was a really good manager for, for Jazz. It even seemed like with the presence of Teddy Long that when it was times where Jazz would be talking on the mic, that it allowed her to show a bit more of her personality and she was a bit more laid back, even, uh, but not without losing that aggressiveness that she has in her matches that we all know and love. So it was like a blend of both. And I actually like these two being uh, together. Uh, so I, I actually liked going back and seeing that, that interaction that Theodore Long and Jazz had together. So we have the backlash match and Jazz continue on with uh, showing that she could have a successful second title reign. We have a May 5th. 2003, Trish and Jazz meet up again. And Jazz comes into this match feeling very confident with the title, her man, Rodney Mack, and manager, Teddy Long. And you can see the apprehension on Trish's face as she sees all of them come out. And this Canadian crowd is completely behind Trish in this match. And there's a really funny spot where Teddy Long tries to interfere 
um, by using his shoe again, but he actually slips on the ramp and he's not able to interfere. And even Victoria comes out to interfere, but she gets a chick kick to the face for, uh, from Trish for all the trouble of her coming out. And Jazz illegally uses her belt on Trish to win uh, when the ref's back is turned. And this was a match that had, once again, a short period of time that these matches took place. Even though in 2003, it slightly got better where they were giving like a little bit more time for some of the bigger feuds from the women. Uh, they were able to put a lot into this match and make it extremely entertaining with all of the outside interference while still having a solid match. And once again, I love and Jazz's uh, title reigns, that they would make sure that she wouldn't have these really small stints where maybe she won the title, but then like a month later or sometimes even a week later, she would lose it. They would really make it a, a fight for Trish to get the title back. And I really did enjoy that. And that was the case in this match where Trish knew that she won, but Jazz was able to take it by illegally using her title. And I just love how they made it feel like Trish was literally just seething, chopping at the bit to try to get that title back. Um, just, just good writing, good angling of this feud that they um, allowed Trish and Jazz to get back into. Just good stuff. So now we get into a match that has a bit more players in it while Jazz still has the title. We go into Judgment Day and we have a fatal four-way. Uh, usually I'm not the biggest fans of Fatal Forwards, but I feel like it makes sense with this match because you had so uh, many women on the Raw roster that did deserve a chance at the title. And at that time, I don't think there was ever going to be any consideration for like another uh, women's title, whether it had been a tag title or anything else. So this was the only one. And obviously all of these women that were in the match definitely deserved it. So we have Trish, Jazz, Jacqueline, and Victoria. And Jazz, once again, comes in confidence. She's still the champ. And this match uh, is chaotic, but in the best way, with action happening in the ring and out of the ring. I love seeing Jazz and Jacqueline compete again. I thought that they had really good chemistry with Jacqueline making it an obstacle for Jazz when many times she wasn't faced with that whenever she was fighting anyone in the ring. So I like that Jazz, uh, Jacqueline would give Jazz that type of pushback because she could handle the offense that Jazz would give her. Um, in this match, even with three other women in the ring, Jazz does do a good job of keeping control for um, really important parts in the match. Uh, even taking out Victoria and Jacqueline with the chicken wing and showing that she uh, is not phased by having this sort of uh, fatal four-way match. She still is holding her own and very focused on what she has to do to make sure that she does not lose that title. And Trish gains her composure in this match and really takes it to Jazz in this match, holding her own. And you see, once again, that evolution. Also, a study that Trish has done to, to know what to expect from Jazz. Um, we had a, uh, Victoria has a scary moment when she tries to, I'm sorry, Trish had a really scary moment toward like the end of the match where she tries to get uh, a stratisfaction onto Victoria, but she's thrown, and I don't think it was planned, like a dart onto the floor 
as she tries to grab for the ropes. And I think for a moment, especially the way that they panned off of Trish, that they were trying to see if she was okay. So that was like a really scary spot that thankfully did not end up uh, as bad as we initially thought when you hear the thud from her falling on the on the ground. And Jazz at that time takes that moment of distraction to get a DDT on Victoria to retain her title. And you can see at the end of the match that Trish is just distraught. She felt for sure that she was going to get that title back. And it just was not in the cards for that night. And I just really loved how once again they really made sure that Jazz was being seen as this dominant champion, and even in a, four, uh, a fatal four-way, she was still going to keep the title because she was just that dominant. Um, and I think that that was shown even more so with this second title reign than the first. Um, just a solid match, honestly, with... I don't know if you can have a roster like this again. Obviously, the women in wrestling right now are absolutely killing it, but this is just a great lineup and they had a really great match a match that once again can be chaotic in a bad way actually was presented well so after this match at judgment day with Jacqueline still holding the title I thought it was important to highlight uh Jazz's times when she was fighting Ivory because that is another person that I think that Jazz really had some great chemistry with. Now, their matches were usually on, I don't know if a lot of people remember this show, but um, Metal, uh, which would usually, I think, come on Saturdays. Jazz and Ivory would usually fight on that show. And at this time, I think that Jazz, after doing you know the Tough Enough shows at Coach, was really trying to get back into the mix of what was happening on Raw's roster with the women. And um, she was, she to me looked the best at this time, just really in amazing shape um, and was ready to go. And she had amazing chemistry with Jazz. And I really liked that in some cases at that time, especially with the level of experience that Ivory had, her in-ring skills really made her like more of an in-ring general. And I think that her and Jazz really meshed well in the ring. And those matches that they had on metal were just fabulous, actually. So if you have time to just look up Jazz and Ivory and take a moment to check out, there's probably like two or three matches that they had on there. That could have possibly turned into something good um, if it was also on uh on Raw and they really pushed for it, I think that Ivory and Jazz could have had a really great feud. So we see Jazz have these months of really having a solid uh, second title reign, but it is abruptly cut short because uh, shortly after the successful title defense, we have a seven woman battle royal that's announced and it's gonna be on Raw for the June 30th episode of that year and Jazz um, gets injured in this match, but it seems like the way that they're doing in this match, even before the injury, it seemed like they debuted Gail Kim in this match to give her the title. And with the type of reign that Jazz was having, it didn't really make sense for her to lose the title in that type of match. So I don't exactly get why they had Jazz lose the title in this match because it wasn't like anyone could predict that Jazz was going to get injured. Um, I believe she was injured in this match by 
just an accident that happened while she was um, having a bit of a moment with Ivory, um, I think near the ropes, where she chipped and dislocated her shoulder. And she even had to be helped out of the ring. And you could really see uh, that Jazz was just out of it as they were trying to bring her um, out out of this match but i think even before that it kind of seemed like they were um that they were going to have jazz lose the title and i feel that for such a strong reign there should have been a solid match that jazz had at a pay-per-view to lose the match instead of just having it in a seven women's battle royal even though i was excited to see gail kim debut but i i just i don't get why that would have been the match that uh jazz would have lost the title so we have jazz having to take some time out and she returns in early 2004. Um, but at that time she was used sparingly after that, usually feuding with Lita and usually in tag matches. Um, to be honest, once we started getting into the meat of 2004, even though we still had a solid foundation for the women on Raw, you can kind of see that a tide was coming. Like it was changing. And uh, WWE at that point had started the diva search. And it was seem, seems like very quickly they started wanting the women to, to lose a bit of that aggressive side. Um, so it was not surprising to me that Jazz coming back in 2004 um, that she would have less and less of an impact um, on the roster where they would just use her for certain things. And then to make it worse, in 2004, Jazz lost her manager, Teddy Long, due to him being drafted to SmackDown. So I think that that thing that would have added, that I think certainly added to her character in 2003 was lost with having um, a manager like Teddy Long to really boost up the attention towards Jazz. That's gone. Then the women's division is changing. And then at that point in late 2004, they really had Jazz just managing her husband, uh, Rodney Mack. And it was great to see that interaction between them. But when you have someone like Jazz, you don't necessarily want to see her just managing. So at that point, even as a fan, you kind of see the writing on the wall. You know, that they're trying to get rid of her. And sadly, in November 2004, that was the case where she was released as she was told that creative had nothing for her. Um, and sadly, going into late 2004, indefinitely in the early uh, part of 2005, you had a lot of women that were told the same thing as WWE was changing the landscape of how the women were going to be used again in WWE at that time. So with uh, just such a great uh, run that Jazz had in 2002 and 2003, it was particularly sad seeing just like this lackluster ending that WWE decided to give her after her, along with these other amazing women, really helped to create such a strong division. But sadly, at that time, that's what WWE did. And in 2006, they decided to bring Jazz back for their version of ECW um, for one match. And we didn't see anything come out of this return, which was really sad because, once again, Jazz 
looked like a million bucks. She looked like she was ready to go and that she was actually excited to be back. But we saw nothing come out of this. Um, and it's a bit sad too, because it wasn't like uh, Jazz just had like an ECW stamp, like where that's all you thought about when you saw Jazz. She had such a great run in WWE that honestly, most fans knew her from that time. So they could have easily just brought her to any other roster, whether that was the SmackDown roster or the Raw roster, if they were going to fold ECW and still have her in the mix. But yeah, that that did not happen. And even though Jazz hasn't returned to uh, WWE since then, her legacy is still felt and her two title reigns helped to shape a very important time in WWE that is still analyzed and praised today, even if it's not completely shown on WWE TV now, we still talk about it as fans and we still uphold the fact that Jazz was such an intricate part in helping to shape or transform the idea of what women can do in WWE at that time. And certainly, in no way am I saying disparagingly, I think it's very safe to say with Trish really getting her bearings in the ring at that time is still being very green, but still having a great ambition and drive to want to get better. Many times Jazz was helping to frame those matches and really make her look like a great baby face. So I don't think that um, that legacy can be denied either. And I, I really want to make sure that that uh, these title feuds were highlighted because, in my opinion, it really is a part of the tapestry of the women's division in WWE, and it really can't be erased. No matter whatever behind-the-scenes reasons on why WWE hasn't brought Jazz back, which we obviously have heard about, you can't deny the impact that her title range, that her presence has had, her ability to blend quite well on that roster at that time, did do for the business and did do for women's wrestling. So I'm hoping that there will be a time where she really gets that respect from that possibly being mentioned in WWE, her possibly going into the women's, uh, into the, the WWE Hall of Fame because it's very deserving. Amongst a lot of other women that were part of um, uh, that time in WWE. So I'm really hoping that, um, that we get that because obviously at Women's Wrestling Talk, we're certainly making sure that we put that respect on Jazz's name. But I'm hoping that WWE does that and they do it at a time where Jazz can be able to absorb that respect and that praise that she would get from being able to accept a Hall of Fame invitation. Uh, yeah, I wish Jazz was active as a wrestler and wrestled, and wrestled against Kenzie Page for the NWA uh, Women's World Championship and Natalia Markova. I agree. I think those would be awesome matches. Um, but I do know that Jazz has stated over the past few years that that's probably not going to be in her future as a lot of injuries have really just sidelined her from feeling that there's any way that she can be active on the roster. But we do know even to this day that Jazz is very uh, much contributing to the great action that you're seeing in NWA for the women's division. And it certainly shows with um, with that solid um, NWA women's division that they have, 
Jazz's name is definitely written all over that. So even though she can't do it in the ring, in her words, she's certainly showing it with what she's contributing as an agent in NWA right now. Uh, who would I like to see Jazz wrestle against if she was an active wrestler? Um, there have been times when Jazz has been asked this over the past few years, and I completely agree with her. I would love to see Jazz face off against uh, Charlotte Flair. I think that would be absolutely amazing. And they would just go hard. But, you know, especially when Jazz was in her prime, that, that would have been a fantastic match. I think that one of the strengths that Jazz has, too, because of how dominant she is, is that she works so well with a baby face on the other side that I would love to see her face off with someone like that that really has the crowd um, always wanting to root for them. So that would be interesting to see her really face off against the baby face. Um, oh, that's a good question. Cause I'm really trying to think of like a baby face that I would just love to see her face off against. Um, the only one I could come to mind right now, but this is when she was kind of like in Ring of Honor. And then a little bit when she first started NXT would be someone like, um, like Roxanne Perez because of how I think she really has that ability to make the crowd really feel like they want her to win. So that would be someone that would have in mind. Uh, just for optics, I'm pretty sure like there'll be people like Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley that we would mention. But I would really want someone that you would think that would just have such a hard time beating Jazz. And they really just have this solid feud and uh, Jazz really brings something out of them. I think that would actually be um, something that would be very entertaining to me versus her fighting someone that usually has like the same uh, presence that she does uh, in a ring. I would love to see Jazz go against uh, Naomi. That would be really cool too. Um, but yeah, right now I would say those would be the people if uh, there was ever a chance for um, for Jazz to, to get back into the ring. Those would be a few. Um, but I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of uh, Deep Dive. And I hope that if you haven't, oh, I got to put this up. I completely agree with that choice because I feel like Willow would really have the fans just clamoring to see her win. And if you have Jazz just really laying into her, maybe even have like three matches where maybe Willow possibly loses two of them, but she just keeps coming back and then she wins that third one. I think that that would just be awesome. That's a really good choice because I think the obvious answer sometimes when you have these matches that people want to see, like uh, their favorites come together, is that sometimes you lose the baby face versus the heel thing. And to me, Jazz was so great at really highlighting and showcasing a baby face while still really getting over as a heel. So that would be a great choice um, if, if Jazz was still active. Yeah. Um, so even with this conversation, we have before with even right now with trying to book fantasy matches if you haven't yet seen a few matches that i brought up or any of them i implore you to look up these two title reigns of jazz you will be thoroughly entertained it will take you back or if you've never been there before with seeing uh jazz's reign in the time that it was happening i really encourage you to do that 
and spread awesome things about wrestling today as um, I enjoyed having this time talking about some of my favorite moments during Jazz's title reign. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Deep Dive and I look forward to coming back soon. Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet.